and welcome to the 96th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and joining me tonight is Ash Collins. Ash, how's everything going this evening? Hella good. That's what I like to hear. Fan-fucking-tastic. So, unfortunately, Mark won't be joining us tonight. He is going through that crazy, busy process of trying to move. So, um, we're hoping he's going to be next week, but it might be a couple of weeks before he's able to get back on the show. So, uh, we'll definitely miss him, but we'll do our best to trek on in his short absence. So, tonight, we will be continuing our Transformers arc with a review of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. And we'll be talking about the second featured film of CSSC6, the... Wildly Bizarre House from 1977. First, though, let's talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. Also, make sure you're following along on our Cinefessions Instagram account. Mark posts tons of reviews on there um, and media pickups, so definitely give that a follow if you haven't. And you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions. And again, Mark posts a lot of reviews there as well. So uh, he's writing, just not on the website traditional. Um, and so definitely check out those social media uh, outlets if you haven't. Um, and you also can find our... A long list of a long list of past reviews and all the previous ninety five podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com. And the reason we love social media is because it gives us direct access to you guys, our awesome listeners who are so important to us. So please do not hesitate. Reach out to us on any of these platforms. Let us know you're listening and let us know how we can improve or what else you'd hear uh, you'd enjoy hearing us talk about so that we can help keep our our weekly episodes as interesting and engaging as humanly possible. And also if you've been listening to us and and more importantly enjoying what you're hearing please do us a huge favor leave us a review on itunes i cannot overstate how important itunes is to a podcast success and the only way we can grow is with your help so anyone who leaves us an itunes review will be helping us out immensely so thank you in advance for all of your support there and we are also proud to tell you that this episode of the Cinefessions podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial. So all of our Cinefessions get a uh, Cinefessions listeners rather, <laughs> Cine listeners, and that's a good one I like that. But you get an opportunity to check out uh, their services. So there's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. All my right. Wife says, my wife says we should call them Sinsters. Sin- Ooh, I like that. C-I-N-sters. I like it. We're going to use that, definitely. <laughs> All of our Sinsters. Fantastic. All right, Ash. CSSC6 is in full swing. Here we are in the middle, because we're recording on Wednesday the 7th, so we're in the middle of week two of the challenge, and that is, of course, foreign language week this year. So I know I've been watching, uh, reading a lot of subtitles. So what has your uh, past week here since we talked last look like? Um, well, I've I've been trying to mix it up, some new, some old. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, uh, when science screams, uh, the sci-fi horror one, I went with my usual, uh, the thing, 
Uh, I forego or forewent Aliens this year and went for Alien, uh, the first one, um, mm. pitch, pitch Black, and uh, an oldie mm. that I hadn't watched in a while, but a goodie, uh, Body Snatchers from 93, which is on either Hulu or Netflix, one of the two, but it's on streaming because I don't own that one. Um, but it's got Gabriel Anwar in it um, and um, uh, not Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, shit. Um Forrest Whitaker. That's what I was. Oh, okay. About. Yeah. Uh, he's in it, and uh, Lee Ermy, uh, or Lee Ermy from uh, uh, the uh, oh Halloween or uh, yeah, but yeah. no, um, or, uh, or the Texas Chainsaw. Um, yes, thank yes. you. Uh, but he's in that too. Um, it's a decent cast. Um, it's a slightly different take on it. I don't know if it's closer to the '50s version or the. Se- I don't think it's. It's not. It's not a retread of the '70s version at all. Um, okay, but I I honestly haven't seen the '50s one, so don't know. Oh my god, it's amazing! Yeah, I've seen the '50s one. I've seen the um, what was it? The '80s or '70s one? It was the, it was the '70s. Yeah, '70s the one. one. Uh, Leonard Nimoy and um, yeah, uh, yes, and they're they're fucking brilliant, both of them. Yes. Donald Sutherland, yes, Donald Sutherland. Thank you, yes, and yeah. I've seen um. Uh, the invasion, so like the two thousands one with um, uh, what's her name, the British or the Australian actress? Uh, oh, I'm is forgetting that one it. A remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, oh, I did oh not my know god, that. what is her name? Oh, uh, Nicole Kidman is in it, yeah. and Daniel Craig. Yeah, um, that one is is good. I liked it, but it's it doesn't hold a candle to the seventies and the fifties. I think are four star films. Both of them, they're fantastic. I have not seen the uh, the one from. 93 yet though i have to def- definitely check that out yeah i i don't think it's a four-star movie but i think i would get, i'd give that one a solid three uh, okay sure. cool uh, it, it, it's it's decent acting it's well scripted um you know it, it it has some good moments to it uh yeah they're the the moment where where they you know one of the re- after the reveal is fucking creepy as hell and i love mm. it um, but, uh, I watched, oh, I did rewatch last days on Mars, um, just because I couldn't find anything Yeah, Netflix was incredibly hard to find stuff this year. Yeah, um, it was. I remember looking to find a featured film. Yeah. The last so, days on Mars, uh, that one, I watched that. Yeah. I've seen that one too with, yeah, um, driver. Yep. with driver. Yeah. I thought that one was, was decent. I gave it a six out of 10 on IMDb. Um, so I thought it was, it was pretty decent. Uh, but uh, I watched Let's Be Evil, um, which is one of my new ones. I'd give it like a two and a half out of four. Um, okay, it was okay. It was a, it was kind of a fun little sci-fi horror romp. Um, it was kind of yeah. Once it started, it was kind of slow, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a kids go psycho kind of movie and and go after the adults. Um, oh, okay. At the heart of it, it's one of those movies. So it's it has some good moments, but it's just. It made my brain hurt. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we watched Viral. Um, and I will have to pull it up because I honestly don't remember a damn thing about that one. Oh, Viral. Okay. Um, yeah, that's the parasitic worms one. That would be why I don't remember it. Okay. Yeah, there's these uh, parasitic worms that are controlling people and making them do like zombie shit. And it's... oh. Really freaky and really disgusting and gross, um, okay. <laughs> especially if you don't like parasites. Yeah. If you do, don't mind parasite movies, go for it. But yeah, Ugh. yuck. Um, and then I kind of <laughs> threw a little bit of comedy in with Tremors 5 Bloodline. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Have you seen all of those? 
I have not seen the Wild West one. That is the only okay. one I haven't seen, but I've seen all the rest of them. Um, so that was okay. I it it's it was a fun watch, but I don't think I'll go to that one again. It's nowhere near as good as the one where they go to to uh, South America. <laughs> it was, hmm. was fucking awesome. <laughs> uh, so I'd give that one like a two. Viral maybe gets a one and a half. Um, and then of course we had you know, moving on to this week we had you know House, which I watched, which we'll get yeah. into. Um, right. But then uh, I watched one called Lucid Dream. Where this guy is trying to figure out who took his kid like three years ago by using lucid dreams to track the people down. Really? It's really fucking weird. Um, Hmm. I couldn't tell you a damn thing about what was really going on. It was just it was all over the place. Um, And it wasn't even because it was a foreign language movie. It was just all over the fucking place. It just made no damn sense. Hmm. Um, So I give that one like maybe a one and a half. Um, Demonium, which was really fucked up. Um, I, I, the best way to describe Demonium would be demon punk. <laughs> hmm. It's like post-apocalyptic demon punk. Um, okay. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, uh, they have demons and stuff running around and humans made a pact with them, but there's these people who are trying to unleash hell and some of the people are trying to stop them. And it's, it's really messed up. It's gory as shit. Um, uh, it's a lot of fun though. I, I, I enjoyed that. I'd give that one a three. Um, and then I watched, uh, that one, that one's Spanish. Um, lucid dreams is Korean, I think. Um, and then I watched what we become, which is a Danish zombie movie. Um, it was good, but the only problem with it is we've seen it with the walking dead and fear the walking dead. Like oh. almost every moment out of that movie, it, it was like it it like hit all the notes of a regular zombie movie. Yeah, like, it wasn't as gory. Um, hmm. or any you know, the zombies just weren't as good. Um, so I don't know. It was it, it hit it by the numbers. Uh, they did have they did have a cute few cute moments. Like at one point, the kid's playing video games and his dad's like, and he comes in and he's like, "You play video games too much." And the kid looks at him and is like, "Yeah, you watch more TV than I play video games." And the dad's like, <laughs> yeah, the dad's like, okay, and just leaves the room. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so there was a couple funny moments, but it wasn't great. I'd give that one like a two out of four. Okay. Uh, and then I watched uh, Ghost in the Shell and Perfect Blue uh, yesterday and today. So very good. And that brings me a up couple. To where I'm at. Yeah, a couple revisits from some podcasts that we did with Pitch Black and Perfect Blue, both uh-huh. former uh, or past. Cinefessions podcast episodes very good, excellent. Yeah, myself, I um was ha- have watched a lot more than I normally do because of um, CSSC six, which is always the goal. So, um, I won't talk about all of them, obviously, but um, I did rewatch the um, Alien series. Uh, not not the full Alien. I did. Uh, I watched Alien re- relatively recently, so I just skipped that one and watched um, Aliens, Alien three, and Alien Resurrection. Um, and, um, I, you know, obviously I love aliens. Um, I think I may have talked about that one last week actually. Um, but, uh, alien three and alien resurrection, I still think are are very good films. Alien three, you have to watch the assembly cut. Um, and I, and it's Fincher and it's really, I, I love that movie. Um, it has really, really good gore. Um, the cinematography is beautiful. 
and uh, I really I like where they do what they do with the story. And then Alien Resurrection, kind of the same deal. Um, I, I just really like the story, and frankly, I think um, Ripley might be at her most interesting in Alien Resurrection um, because it's uh, the world that it's in and who she is in that movie and so on and so forth. But um, I just really like those, and I know they don't get a lot of a uh, lot of love, but I would definitely give them both three stars. Um, whereas like Alien and Aliens would definitely both be four stars. Um, but I th- really rank- rating them is is so moot because I enjoy them all so much. Um, I'd probably put Alien Resurrection a little bit ahead of Alien Three, um, but I mean I just they're both really enjoyable, and I, I highly recommend uh, the assembly cut of Alien Three. I ended up watching the the uh, theatrical version of Resurrection because uh, the director said that the theatrical version actually is his director's cut, but they do have a special edition that adds a little bit more. Um, but I I don't remember what at this point because it's been so long since I've seen it. But um, and then I ended up watching opening, um, and I they added at the end. Okay, I thought that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the opening for the the quote unquote director's cut mm-hmm. has really crappy CG. And the ending to the, um, the ending just makes it even more bleak. <laughs> Basically, mm. it's just like, okay. <laughs> gotcha. I'm sure the first time I watched it, it was, I watched the special edition, but I just, I don't recall at this point. It's been so long, but, um, I also ended up watching, um, the thing from another world, the original to, uh, the John Carpenter masterpiece, oh, the God. thing. I- that in so damn long. Yeah, like it was really great. Um, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. Actually, the creature is a bit lacking because it's just a guy um, who kind of has some makeup, but they don't even show him up close because they were they didn't think that it would hold up if you were able to see it close. So they keep him pretty far away at all times. Um, but I love the progression of the story, and more uh, more so, the characters are just fantastic. I love how naturalistic the dialogue was between them. Um, they're often like talking over each other and cutting each other off. And it felt a lot more realistic than most films I see from that era specifically are. Um, and so I'm really glad that I finally sat down and watched this one. And I found it uh, to be a lot better than I than I, I expected it to be at all. So I was really happy with that one. That was Thing from Another World. Um, that one I think I gave uh, three and a half stars. So I really liked that one. Um, and then... Um, I've been watching, well, I'll talk about that in a second. So the last one I'll kind of talk about, um, I did watch some of the Universal Monster movies because they're short and uh, sweet for the uh, sci-fi horror week. So I was trying to get some, you know, a good number of films in that first week. So I watched, I rewatched Wolfman, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I watched for the first time, I finished up the six talkies of the original Marvel monster or Marvel <laughs> Universal monster films with... um uh, the Invisible Man, which I hadn't seen, and The Mummy. The Mummy, I thought, frankly, it didn't catch me at all. I thought it was a little bit boring. Um, I'd put that at the bottom of the list um, in terms of those six. Um, and then um, I give that one two and a half. And then Invisible Man, I really, really liked a lot. Um, I think it's kind of the meanest of those and uh, just... <sighs> I don't. I don't know. It's like the most. I don't know if it's the most violent is correct, but it, they they talk more violence in that than they really do in the others. Um, and because the Invisible Man is simply a man who is invisible, obviously, um, it just makes for a much different film than the other, uh, like you know, Frankenstein, Dracula, things like that. Um, and I really like that one. That was another three and a half star film for me. Um, and I'd probably put that one above even 
Wolfman and Bride of Frankenstein. Um, but it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, so the other film, uh, Bridget and I, Bridget got out of work early on Friday. And of course, Friday was the release of Wonder Woman. Have you gotten to see this yet? I have not. Um, okay. Money. <laughs> I won't, I won't talk much about it at all then. Uh, just uh, I know, until I you know see it, but, it. but yeah, I, I, yeah. Know, I know the bulk of the, the plot. I don't know. Gotcha. I don't know a lot of the spoilers, but yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't talk any spoilers, but I will just say that I, absolutely loved it bridget absolutely loved it um i mean it really blew me away like i had high expectations going in because you can't avoid the hype from it over these past couple weeks since it you know critics got to see it and uh it has like when i last looked it had like a 98 on you know rotten tomatoes or metacritic whatever it is which i don't those don't mean much but it is interesting to see where they you know where the films are at different points um and because of that, you know, I thought it'd be a pretty good film, but man, I was blown away. Gal Gadot is absolutely brilliant as Wonder Woman and is undoubtedly one of the top 10 most beautiful women on planet Earth. I mean, it's just no way to get around that. Um, and I was actually very, uh, thrilled by how excellent, um, Chris Pine was in this. Um, my, that's right, right? Yeah. yeah and, uh, I, I, he was so good. I mean, there's a lot of Chris's in superhero movies right now. I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um him and him and Godot, I thought their their on screen chemistry was just awesome. And it made me laugh a lot more than I expected. Um I loved the progression of the story. I mean, it is absolutely worth seeing. You know, believe the hype. You will enjoy it. I can't wait till you get a chance to to, to see it because I, I just I know you're going to enjoy it, and uh, I look forward to talking about it more because um, I'm sure Mark will have seen it. Hopefully, by the time you do, so we definitely talk about that one a little more um, in the future. But definitely see Wonder Woman if you haven't. You will not be disappointed. Um, there are those naysayers out there, but uh, they're crazy. Um, so definitely see Wonder Woman. Um, I also, uh, subscribed to Shudder, um, because I, I was able to get a free month using, um, the Maniacs code. So if you are interested in, in doing this, if you go to Shudder, you can, you have to use the desktop app. You can't do it on your phone as far as I could tell, but you just use the code M-A-Y-N-I-A-C-S. So May, the month of May, and then Niacs. Um, and then, uh, it still worked for me when I did it, um, maybe four or five days ago. So it might still work. I don't know for sure, but definitely try it. Um, it can get you 30 days free of shutter um i'll likely just use this during cssc6 and then cancel it because i don't like that i can only really access shutter on my pc which i never watch movies on and on my roku which i don't really use often either um so until they can come up with an app for my television with my smart tv or one of my video game systems or even my fire stick my amazon fire stick um chances are i'm not going to spend much money on their service um, you can sign up to Shutter through Amazon Prime, and then you can access the Shutter films through Amazon Prime. But if you do that, then you can access Shutter outside of that, like on the computer or anything, to add movies to your watch list on Shutter. Like it's just a fucking backwards system that they have going on, and it doesn't it doesn't communicate with other uh, apps that they they have like given its license to. So I don't understand it. Um, and so until they can come up with something better. 
um, chances are I'm just not going to, I'm not going to spend much money with them. Um, but that said, the reason I signed up for it was because it was a cheap way to watch the Rec series, which I wanted to uh, watch for this week's challenge because obviously they're Spanish films. Um, and uh, we have the bonus out there where if you watch a foreign language trilogy or three films of a series, you also re- receive 10 extra bonus points at the end of the week as uh, was made in the announcement post for this week. Um, and I wanted to write a series review on Rec. I've been wanting to do that for years. And so I finally decided to do it. Um, the only one not on Shutter is Rec 4. So I'm gonna have to rent that one another way to finish my reviews. Um, but I have my reviews written for one, two, and three. And so I just need to watch four, um, which I might try to do today if I can find it, uh, for rent online. So we'll see after the podcast. But, um, I'm also contemplating adding in quarantine and its sequel to the series review, but I honestly doubt I will because quarantine is a literal shot for shot remake of wreck. And frankly, it's some, even though it's shot for shot, it's somehow uh, not as good. Um, and then quarantine two from everything I hear is just garbage. Um, and so I know I have not seen it, so I would like to see it, but I don't know if I'm going to add those into the, to the series review or not. So I'm just I considering at this point. I enjoyed what, both of them, but. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. That's good. I don't I, like quarantine. Honestly, I still but, have not seen wreck. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I watched wreck first and then watched quarantine. And so I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it, but I'm not sure. And I also, I finally, I canceled my, um, WWE Network because I just haven't been watching it in the past month, month and a half. And like, I just don't watch the current WWE product at all anymore because it's garbage. Um, and so I, I finally got rid of that. And so instead of spending 10 bucks a month on that, I signed up for, I re-signed up for exploitation.tv. Um, and so this is Vinegar Syndrome's streaming service. And so you get all the, you know, the horror, the adult films, all that, that Vinegar Syndrome offers on this service. Not all of it, mind you, but the vast majority of it. And so instead of spending 25 bucks on the Blu-ray, I could just do this 10 bucks a month and watch all of them. You know what I mean? So I won't keep it forever, I'm sure. Uh, but I do want to have it uh, at my disposal for CSSC6 because there is a lot of good options on there. So definitely excited to have that one back. I didn't. I only watched like one film on it the first time I used it. So I'm hoping I, I uh, access it more this time. But um, last but not least, before we move on, I do want to talk about two things I picked up. So obviously... I just grabbed these today, actually. So the live action remake of Beauty and the Beast came out uh, yesterday on Tuesday. Uh, Best Buy did have a steelbook, which um, Chris Chris grabbed and he posted on Twitter. But I went there today because I didn't have a lunch yesterday, so I didn't have an opportunity to. Um, but I went there today and, of course, they were sold out of the steelbook, which was fine because it was more expensive anyway. So I probably wouldn't have bought it. But I did pick it up on Blu-ray. So I grabbed Beauty and the Beast. And then uh, that one was 20 bucks this week at Best Buy. And then I was looking through the 4K section and thinking to myself, man, I have this awesome 4K TV and I only have two 4K movies. And well, I, I have two 4K movies, then I have Planet Earth in 4K, but that's it. Better be Star Trek 2, they're at the con. It's not, but <gasps> is it awesome in 4K? Uh, they, they, Paramount specifically went in with Nicholas Meyer, the guy who directed it mm-hmm. and, um, transferred it over to 4k using digital correction and everything to get it as close to the original film as possible. So they actually That's have Star a director's Trek cut of it. Yeah. A director's cut of Star Trek two and 4k. I have not seen it because yeah. I don't have a 4k TV, so I had no reason to buy it, but I've seen the director's cut right. before and the director's cut is, it's slightly longer, but it doesn't. 
I mean, it doesn't kill it to have that stuff taken out of it, but it adds to it a little bit. Okay. But, yeah. Overall, uh, the just from what I saw on uh, there's a website called Trekcore uh, mm. that has like all the screenshots from all different stuff. They have like side by side comparisons of the original Blu-ray director's cut versus the 4K transfer and everything else too. So if you want to check that out before you pick it up, you know, you yeah, too. So definitely, that's good to know because like I, I'm definitely want to know what's worth owning on 4k um and that's i kind of just took a shot with this one and i i i might be wrong maybe it's not but given what it is i think it will look really good um but i'll actually tell you why i bought it i'll tell you what it is here instead of talking around it so i ended up picking up passengers the jennifer lawrence chris pratt film okay yeah yeah and so it's like sci-fi you know i figured i'll have good good uh it's and then the back it sold me because it says it's visually stunning and so I was like, okay, that'll work. But the reason, real reason I got it was because one, it was only 20 bucks for, for it, for it. And unlike any I've ever seen, this one comes with the 4K Ultra HD disc. It comes with the Blu-ray 3D disc and Blu-ray and digital. So, I mean, this is the best of both worlds for me because I have 4K and I have 3D, but uh, not on the same TV. And so I have everything I could want. And so even if the 4K isn't fantastic, then I still have the 3D. And if the 3D isn't fantastic, then I have the 4K. So, I mean, it was really a good buy at 20 bucks. And so I decided that I'll, I'll take that as, as a blind buy, you know, and just give it a shot. Um, I was contemplating Logan on 4K, um, but it was 25 bucks and I just didn't want to spend a ton of money today. So I didn't get that one yet, but I, I'm sure I will at some point because I don't own Logan yet. Uh, I um, and that's such a yeah. great movie. Yeah, that's why here I haven't watched it yet, but um, and then yeah, I saw the, that one in the theaters, and okay, that was awesome. Yeah, um, and the what was I thinking about? Oh, um, I saw the Resident Evil Final Chapter on 4K, but it's a thirty bucks, and I was like, ah, oh, it's just too much. I like Final Chapter was was fine. Um, you weren't you missed that? You weren't there for that review? You were or something happened? You were off that day? But um, Mark and I talked about that one. Um, and it was fine, but I don't want to spend $30 on it. Like, that's ridiculous. And I was very disappointed to find out that it is not being released in 3D here in the States, which is ridiculous because I own the last three or whatever, the last two, I guess, on 3D. No idea. No idea. I did find that there, I think there's a Blu-ray 3D of the Chinese, uh, a Chinese release of it, but not here in the States. So I don't know what the hell they're doing, but yeah. So, um, Sony fix your shit. Exactly. I skipped that one. Um, and then the one I really want, I want this movie so bad because it is like, even before I really was into movies, I watched this on DVD and said to myself, this is, this has to be the worst transfer, the worst DVD transfer I've ever seen in my life uh, up to that point. And it was Unforgiven, the Clint Eastwood film, which is a fantastic movie. But the DVD looks like shit. Um, and now it is released on 4K. And I really want it. The problem is, it's like 35 bucks on Amazon and it was 32 bucks at Best Buy today. I'm like, that is fucking expensive, man. That's the problem when, you, when you're an early adopter. You have to deal with those ridiculous prices. And so I cannot wait until 4K starts dropping in price because there's a good number of movies that I want to get uh, on 4K. And you were talking about Star Trek 2. Um, Bridget was actually suggesting that we try to get um, the, the new Star Trek movies on 4K 
because we were thinking that those might look good. And I feel like she could be right. Those probably look really good on 4K because they're so effects heavy. Yeah. And so we'll probably end up doing those at some point. But but yeah, so I grabbed Beauty and the Beast and then Passengers. And again, 20 bucks for Passengers and Beauty and the Beast. But Passengers comes with the 4K, the Blu-ray 3D, the Blu-ray, and the digital. So that's a really good price. I mean, like the physical case for it is huge because there's so many discs in there. So I'm excited to actually open it up. But hopefully I get to watch that sometime this month during our uh, CSSC. But we'll see. All right, so that is our Weeks in Media. So without further ado, let's jump over and discuss our review for the week, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. So as always, there will be spoilers. Not only will there be spoilers for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, but there will likely there will likely be spoilers for the original Transformers, the 2007 version that we talked about last week. Uh, so just keep not that. to spoil the others. Right, and Ash will not spoil the others, so don't worry about that if, you, if you're following along with us <laughs> like I am. So, fantastic. This is your last spoiler warning. So, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009, directed, of course, by Michael Bay, written by Robert Orkey, Alex Kurtman, who are the two writers from the first film, but this one also has the additional writer of Aaron Kruger, who actually was one of the writers on Scream 3 and The Ring, which I thought was very interesting because I did not realize that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. It has an IMDb score currently of 6.0 out of the 336,406 votes, a Metacritic score of 35, a 19% tomato meter with an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 57%. It had a $200 million budget now becoming the highest budgeted film we've watched on this or for this podcast, uh, trumping last week's Transformers by $50 million. Um, and it had a gross of $402 million, also the highest grossing film we've watched. Uh, so if you listened last week and you heard these numbers, you'll notice that they are significantly different than, than the numbers that we were talking about for Transformers. And I think that's kind of uh, the general appeal or the general consensus of this film that is just not good. I've, I've heard nothing but negative things about it um, coming into it. But okay. with that in mind, Ash, what's your history? Okay, well, a little background on this one. This okay. one was instead, in their infinite wisdom, of mm-hmm. delaying the film until after the writer's strike uh, they rushed the screenwriters to get a working draft of it in before the screenwriters strike. And then they built the movie around that so that by the time the writer's strike was over, they were already ready to film and there wasn't much they could do to fix the script. Mm. So that's interesting. Strike number one against the movie. Um, right. Yeah, it's not very well written. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I saw this in theaters. Um, big Transformers nut. So I've right. had it on Blu-ray forever. I've watched it a whole bunch of times. So, yeah. It is known to me. <laughs> right. Definitely. Yeah, this one. Um, so my sister was is a huge Shia LaBeouf fan. She could even say obsessed. And so anything he's in, no matter what it is, she'll watch it, which is the only reason, the only horror movie she'll watch is Disturbia, which isn't even really a horror movie, but she calls it a horror movie because it has Shia LaBeouf in it. But otherwise she won't watch anything that's even a thriller or anything along those lines. So because of that, she had, yeah. 
good psychological thrill. Yeah, I loved. Oh, yeah. I'm not hating on Disturbia. I love Disturbia. I think it's great. But um, yeah, it's definitely not a, a horror film, I wouldn't say. Um, but uh, so because of that, she bought all these as they came out and saw them on theaters and yada, yada. But we went to we were staying at my parents house one night when she was still living there. And we started watching this one because I hadn't seen it. And honestly, like, I think it was around Christmas and I was just really tired. I don't even remember any of this, like literally not a minute of it. Um, I feel like maybe I watched five minutes and then fell asleep until the end and then fell asleep, like woke up for another five minutes and fell asleep because I honestly don't remember it. So it, this was purely a first time viewing for me, um, which I didn't think that it would be that that way because I thought I would remember a lot more. But man, I must have not seen any of it the first time around. So definitely uh, uh, new for me, which I which is always good. So. So right from the start, we're starting at like 17,000 BC or something like that, 1700 BC, whatever the hell the number was. Um, and I thought that was a very interesting start to it. But I thought it was fine. Like that opening scene was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. And I wouldn't have minded actually seeing this Transformer interact with these, you know, um, kind of prehistoric uh, humanoids or humans, I guess, not humanoids, humans even more. I thought it would have been interesting to see, you know, how they reacted with them. But I, I like that opening, that opening kind of uh, really short scene. One of the one of the things with the Transformers movies, each movie slightly fucks with the mythology from the previous movies. Um, I mean, it all kind of works, kind of, <laughs> but. But uh, yeah, it's just a, some of the dialogue they have Prime speaking, and it could just be because Prime's old and he's forgotten when he's explaining <laughs> this stuff to people. Yeah. But, but it sometimes it overwrites something that you may have seen before, so you just kind of go with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and as someone who's kind of watching these for the for kind of the first time, um, well, at least from here on out, um, I didn't even catch that, you know, um, and so it worked for me. I was just able to roll with it because I wasn't. Uh, kind of steeped in the history of it anyway so but yeah um so we get the very first transformation and it was ironhide right that was he was the uh, i think he was like a dodge truck this time out and i feel like he actually didn't change forms he was he was the same thing the last time that's what that's what i was going to ask you because i for some reason i didn't remember him being that in the first movie but the the only one who gets remotely upgraded in this one i think is bumblebee um but even then he's still the same camaro he's just got a he's got that hood scoop yeah. i love that fucking hood scoop hell yeah um yeah but i thought that very first transformation was really impressive it was so like detailed kind of following the camera kind of follows it up as it changes and i was like okay this is good i like this we are starting out well um and then and then we get the the first of the Decepticons, right? I don't have any idea what the hell their names are. And like I mentioned last week, I just not go with the Transformers names. But that first one was gigantic and he looked great. And then we're right into the action because we have all these explosions, right? And I'm just thinking to myself, how in the hell are they going to pl- claim this as a gas leak? Like, this fucking robot, this Transformer is riding down the road crushing cars. Like, I thought it was, it, it looked awesome, and it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know how that they were going to go with that either. It was just kind of like, uh... Right. right. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they apparently did, because later on, once we get the, the roommates, they talk about, oh yeah, they say it's a gas leak, but there's no way, look at these videos. So, I mean, they really went with that story, but I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. 
Um, I really like Sideswipe. I thought he was fucking awesome. The way he kind of like, uh, like, uh, drifts in and then turns in the Transformer and is oh, still on yes, his wheels. I, love, I fucking love Sideswipe in this. Oh my yeah. god, he looks awesome. Yeah, he it's such a badass. He wasn't a red Lamborghini. Fuck that. He looks amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, I really liked him. Um, yeah, so this time around, uh, Mojo gets a friend. Which which brought some humor. He gets to <laughs> Mojo. Don't dominate. Don't dominate. I forget the other dog's name, but uh, I thought that was hilarious. The little cute pups. And then the dogs are humping, and the dad says, "You see a lot of that in college too." I thought that was hilarious. So, um, <sighs> this whole thing kind of kicks off, right? Because Sam looks at his shirt that he calls his Super Bowl jersey. So in other words, we're supposed to believe that he hasn't touched this in two years because he pulls it out and all of a sudden this small key piece of the AllSpark falls to the like falls to the ground. He picks it up and then it like goes nuts, right? That's and and that's what this entire movie is predicated on. Is this small piece of the cube that was stuck on his shirt for two years. Well I guess there's two small pieces, right? But Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that was when it was happening, I was like, seriously? Like, that's how this is going to work? Um, yeah. And so I wasn't sure <laughs> wasn't sure how that was going to go down. But as it went on, I, I was – I had kind of just forgotten about it, I guess. It was it – didn't, it didn't kill it for me by any stretch. Bumblebee in this one, though, is, is just as fantastic. So he has a couple really good moments. I like – when he instead of so he turns into or he drives through the car because he gets called by um Sam he drives through the uh, uh garage and then is getting like scolded and so instead of him turning back into the car he crawls back into the garage and he like knocks over shit on his way in i thought that was just hilarious because it was so uh, he was just like a sad puppy i love that and then when he's um when uh, the beautiful girl from college who's trying to get Sam to hook up with her, um, when she gets in, in the car, gets in inside Bumblebee and just uh, the music that he's playing and then he sprays her down. I think he's just – I love that character. So funny. I love Bumblebee. Bumblebee in this one is hilarious. I think mm-hmm. I think one of my favorite moments from college is when they're at the party though and uh, – and uh, the two guys, the two guys from the sor- or the fraternity, come out, <laughs> and they're like, "We're oh, just yeah. here trying to find you a tighter shirt." We looked, <laughs> <laughs> we looked. There isn't any. <laughs> and then they high, like high five each other or fist bump each other. I'm like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was. I really like that moment too. It was so stupid, but it was funny as hell. And that's the thing, like, if a movie can make me laugh. It, it charms me over, and I can forgive it its faults as long as they're not too uh, uh, glaring. And here, that's why I enjoyed this movie was because I was laughing a hell of a lot. And I think so far, that's been my favorite aspect of the series. Obviously, it has wonderful special effects, and they look f- amazing. But it's also making me laugh a lot. And anything that can make me laugh is is enjoyable. So I really like that. But I thought it was only two years later, but man, I thought Michaela and uh, Sam looked significantly older in this film compared to the last one. And, and the filming was only like two years apart too, right? Like there wasn't a, a bigger gap, no, right? No, really. No. Okay. Was, that was, uh, yeah, there there was no gap. There, there was yeah. two years 
between them. That's it. Right. And I, man, when I was looking, I would, I would have guessed that they were like five, they looked about five years older than what, uh, what they were playing, but maybe it's just because they reached a certain age where they no longer look like their high school kids. <laughs> they cast them fairly older. Um, yeah, they were for the high school. Mm-hmm. So that has a lot to do with it right there. Right. Yeah, that's very true. But man, Michaela or Megan Fox. Wow. Wow. What a gorgeous woman. And not only do you get Megan Fox in this one, but you also get um, the blonde girl who I, I'm never going to find her name in here. Um, yeah, I have no idea what her name was, but the girl at college. So at that party, I mean, like she is coming on to Sam, like hardcore. And, um, I was, that's right, I was like, my God, who is the insanely hot college girl that wants to be his girlfriend? And where was she when I was in college? Like, this just doesn't happen. And then I realized a few moments later, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Something has to be up here. And I, I, was, I was guessing that she was probably, uh, you know, either a bad guy or something that was trying to screw him over. And, of course, that's revealed uh, later on that she is, in fact, like, what the fuck is she? Like, a, a, she's a, a Decepticon in, like, a human skin Yes, that was thing? actually like, a callback to the uh, toy line before they went to Generation 2. Uh, in the original series, they had what they called Pretenders. And they, oh. uh, the Transformers had like pretender shells, so they looked human on the outside, uh, and then would transform into the robots. Uh, you basically the toys were like a human shell you literally pulled apart, and the Transformer was inside. Oh wow! <laughs> and then you could stick the human shell back together. In Japan, though, they were called um, something else. They were called Master Force, okay. and they were treated basically. The humans were like pilots of the um, vehicles, as opposed to. Uh, they were still Transformers, but they had like pretender, f- they were like human forms and then they could become the Transformers. So hmm. it was, it, they, the different, you know, American take on it versus the Japanese take on it. Right. So they kind of blended the two for the movie. Yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot though. It worked really well for me. Um, and obviously it probably worked just cause I'm a heterosexual horny male, but, uh, but she was beautiful <laughs> to look at. So, but I thought it was, it was cool. I really liked that. Um, so help me out here, because I didn't understand, like, why the fuck does the government have a piece of this fucking Allspark? Like, why not destroy it if that's what this whole thing, the first movie was, you know, about? Like, why keep it? Did they explain that at all and I missed it? Or is there a reason for them to keep the Allspark? Um, well, Sam well, has the piece of it on him. Right. Uh, they had collected the last bits of it. Um, and I think they they were trying to keep it safe. Um and uh, basically trying to make sure the Decepticons never found it because it was too valuable to destroy. So too yeah. valuable to destroy is their uh, reasoning. Okay, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, it was just weird because I was like, if you get rid of it, then obviously they have no shot. I, I, without realizing that there's a piece stuck on Sam's shirt, of course. But right. I just thought it was strange. Um, some, some more lines. I wrote down a lot of lines this time around too. So like. <sighs> As, and I think the weakest part is is what we've kind of you've already mentioned is just the story. Uh, what am I trying to say? Not like the arc. Kind of what drives the film. I thought was a little weaker than the first film, and uh, its overall arc. I guess I would say from from start to finish, its through line was a little weaker. But I still liked a lot of the, uh, the a lot of the dialogue. Um, and uh, so I wrote down a lot as I went through, but um, one one thing I really liked, and, and 
I hate that asshole. I don't I don't know his name either. Um, but the asshole who like said he was there from the office of the president and he was making all the changes. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his name either. Yeah, I can't. I can't find it either. There's so many. There's so many characters in this one. It'd be impossible to find them all. Um, but whoever that character was, that asshole, I really fucking hated him, as you're supposed to. But man, I love Optimus Prime because I love his line because um, he's like, uh, you know, if if the president asks you to leave, will you leave? And he Prime says, yes, we will. But what if we leave and you're wrong? Like, I just, I fucking love that. I was like, yes, it's so damn true. And this stupid white boy is going to be wrong. So don't leave. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you think of the roommates? And I, I'll start with roommates and then we can kind of pin, pin it down to, to what was the name? Leon, I think Leo. I like the Leon. computer dude. Um, okay. He was cool. I liked him. Um, I didn't like Leo at all. I really? Okay. Huge. Um, I mean, he has some funny moments, but mm-hmm. I, he's just, eh. He's just yeah. sidekick cannon fodder throughout okay. most of this. They didn't, they didn't do enough with him. And I mean, obviously the, you know, they don't, they wouldn't have done much more with him even with the, without the writer's strike. Mm-hmm. But I think he would have, I don't know. He just seems tacked on and unnecessary. Like, so yeah, go ahead. Like I, I, you could you could either eliminate him or dump over half of his exposition and shit to another character and it'd still work. And that, that yeah. to me doesn't make a very good character. He's just right. Kinda, yeah. So for me, like when I first met the roommates, I hated them. And then as the film kept going on, like I didn't like Leo at all. I was annoyed that he was there. And especially the other two guys. I didn't like them at all. But as it went on and Leo kind of split off from them and he was just a part of Sam and Michaela uh, in that group, I started liking him a lot more. Um, And I think, again, it was because he made me laugh. Like his character is just so uh, such a little bitch. Like (laughs) just when he's screaming, oh, my God, don't let me die. Don't let me die. And they're like, shut up. Like, I don't know. He was just making me laugh a lot. Um, And so at first I hated him and the roommates. um, But. As it went on, I really started liking Leo, um, and I was glad he was there. And I think why Leo was there, uh, or I think what worked with Leo was his work with Simmons, uh, John Turturro's character. I really oh, liked yeah. them together. I thought they were – he was still the sidekick even in of those two, but I think he was a he was not necessary, but he was a, a, a worthy addition at that point. Um, and again, they were there for humor, and I thought it worked out really well. And I liked seeing Simmons come back because uh, Tudoro is just really good with that character. But yeah, I'd agree um, with that. Yeah, I love that scene. So again, the parents, and I think the parents are a little different in this one compared to the first one. Um, the mom kind of gets angry at the dad at different points or at, at some, at one point, And you, that's not a side you saw of her in the first film. It was almost as if that side didn't exist in the first film. So we get a little bit more of her, but I still, I really liked them though. Still, um, when she eats those fucking pot brownies, oh my God, I was dying. So funny. And she, what's her line? She says, you know, you don't often see the white boys with the dreadlocks. I thought that was just hilarious. I love her oh, friend, man. too. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. When she gets the phone call. So funny. <laughs> well, when she, because she's eating the snails, too. 
<laughs> right yeah yeah and he's like that looks like canadian or poop from a canadian goose and yeah. she's like oh it's awful <laughs> oh yeah it's so funny but yeah i really enjoyed them um i really liked the um the little marble transformers i thought those were actually really cool so like this i don't, I don't even know this like dog-like transformer whatever the hell it is it was really badass, and then he like breaks through or uh, jumps over the fence, and then drops these like marbles into that uh, pipe, and that's what gets them the the piece they need from the Allspark. And I thought that was really cool because not only the little marbles turn turn it all of them turn into little transformers, but together they form another big transformer. And I really liked that. I thought that was a really well done scene. Yeah, I I was I was happy they put Ravage in because uh, that was who he was uh, supposed to be. Um, okay. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be a cat, um, but uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they they incorporated the whole the whole satellite thing. Uh, the satellite was supposed to be Soundwave, and in the original series, Soundwave mm-hmm. was a cassette player, uh, and he oh, had okay. cassette tapes that would pop out and become other Transformers. Uh, so, hmm. so they kind of incorporated that in with him in this movie, right? <laughs> Being the satellite and launching probes and stuff instead. So, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. When they, where, where is it? Oh, they're, they're going to get Megatron, right? So like these four or five uh, Decepticons dive into the ocean after taking down, that's when they take down, oh no, that's later on, I guess, but they dive into the ocean to get uh, Megatron. And the little, the little thing is like, kill the small, kill the little one. So, cause yes. they need the parts. And I was like, oh shit. They just like ripped him the fuck apart. I was like, oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Hey, we need more. Kill the, bring me the little one. <laughs> I know. I love that he was like had a German accent too. It cracked me up. Um, but yeah, like I was just surprised that it was. It wasn't like. It wasn't brutal. It was just violent, I guess. Because I mean, there's no like blood or anything like that. You know what I mean? But like, they just destroy. They kill one of their people, one of their own, just like in an instant. And I was like, holy shit! Without even a second thought. Uh, so just because it's a good characterization to who they are. But um, one thing that surprised me, I didn't expect to leave Earth like we did. Because at one point we leave Earth. We go, I don't know where the hell we go, but it's like to the home of the the fallen, right? And yeah, uh, Megatron's there. Um, he's out in the solar system somewhere. Okay. Planet. I, I, yeah, I, uh, he he's further out. Gotcha. But uh, I didn't expect that. I, mean, I thought we were there. It was it was fine. If it if not mind blowing, like it wasn't anything really memorable. The, but uh, the reason I wrote it wrote it down was because I really liked the voices of the Decepticons of the main. Th- I guess there was probably like main three: uh, Megatron, the uh, Fallen, and then I don't know who the third one was. But he was the one who was like, "I need someone needed to lead while you were gone, or whatever." Is what he says to Megatron. Command Starscream. Starscream. Okay, I really like their voices. Starscream is that who, um, Orson Welles plays in uh, the the movie in the animated no, film? No, that was uh, Unicron. Was the one? That he oh, Unicron. Yeah. Okay. No, but, Starscream was the one in the original animated movie who um tries to take command of the Decepticons, and then Megatron shows back up as Galvatron and blows him apart. Oh, okay. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but um. I really yeah, like the voices. Spoilers: Transformers the movie has been out for like thirty-one years, so blow me. 
Yeah, no, I'm sure no one. Yeah, <laughs> no one's gonna care. Um, but the uh, I don't. They they were kind of similar, the three of them, but there was something different about them, and they were all uh, clearly they were um, you know manipulated on on post. But I really I thought they were interesting choices with their voices, and uh, really helped set the characters. But um. One thing that bugged the hell out of me, as someone who has has taught in a university, um, the, uh, what's his name? God, the fucking guy from the office who's in this. Um, ah, he plays the professor in the uh, astrology astrology class. Oh, um, I don't remember his name. It's Dwight from the office. Whatever. I oh, cannot believe I can't remember. Okay, yeah, yeah uh, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. R a i n n Wilson him um when he's in there so he's openly flirting with his students with his female students and then we come to find out that the dean is in the classroom i'm like what the what what is happening here why okay one why have him flirt with the girls in the classroom that's just creepy and two why have the dean there like what is what was the point of having both of those things happen at the same time? Because that was stupid to me, stupid as hell, and that bugged the shit out of me. But I don't know if you even caught and noticed it or thought about it. But I I honestly didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Remember the dean being there, but now that you mention it, yeah, I do remember now. <laughs> yeah, because I. But otherwise, I thought that scene was pretty funny because. Um, you know, Sam reads like the whatever, however, 192 page uh, textbook in like th- whatever he says, like 31.6 seconds or whatever the hell it is. And uh, it just goes nuts. And Bridget was laughing her ass off just at uh, um, uh, Shia LaBeouf's characterizations in that moment. Um, but I, otherwise, I thought it was funny. I just that part bugged the hell out of me because there's no way you would act like that with the dean in the room. But yeah. Um, Unless, of course, the dean really likes you. Right. Yeah, exactly. What was the little Transformers name that um, uh, Michaela kept in with her in the case? Oh, um, shit's not his name. Um, <laughs> well, whatever Transformer that was, um, he made me laugh when he was there because he was trying to break into the uh, trying to break into the vault or whatever. Or trying to find the the shard, and then she tells him where it is, and he's like, "You're hot, but you ain't so bright." And I was like, "Oh, that's hilarious!" <laughs> and then I love that she keeps him. And uh, later on, um, what's his name? Uh, Simmons goes, "I've spent my entire life trying to track aliens, and you carry one around in your purse like it's a chihuahua." Like, I thought that was awesome line, very funny, but um. I liked the Bad Boys 2 reference, because Sam has a Bad Boys 2 film poster in his dorm room. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I forgot about that one before we were going to watch that. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, another scene I really – I was laughing my ass off was – so after it's revealed that the, the hot college girl is, in fact, a Transformer in a human skin costume, um, they run into the library and this is right after Michaela sees um, Sam kissing the girl. And so, obviously, she's very upset. And uh, just the way they're going on and forth, they're like whispering, yelling at each other in the library. And I thought it was hilarious. And he's like, it, you know, talking about how it tasted diesel, like diesel, like a diesel tinge, uh, like all this different shit. I love that scene. I thought it was hilarious. But 
Um, any any scenes that kind of made you laugh at all that stood out to you? Those kind of uh, kind of hit on him um, quite a bit. Yeah, uh, the uh, a lot of the stuff where where he's going back and forth with her on that. Uh, I did like the because um, the humor isn't as good in this one. I honestly as even though they're kind of racist stereotypes, the twin, the Autobot twin, yeah. they're dumb yep. as fuck, but they're funny shit. <laughs> I know. I was honestly surprised kind of how, you know, like you said, like racist slash stereotypical, they made them. But yeah, they. I thought they were they were pretty humorous with whatever they were doing. I thought it was very funny. Um, I didn't really get them at first. It took me, it took until it was kind of just Bumblebee the twins and then like the group of humans for me to really appreciate them. Um, and actually that's not true because I did like them before that when um, they're kind of making fun of Leo. Um, I just calling him like, what there's, there's a line. Oh, um, Leo's like, all right. I had a bit of a panic attack earlier. And then one of the twins says, that's because you were pussy. And I was like, Oh man, like they're, they are funny. I was like, okay, you, you got me twins. You're making me laugh now. But, um, yeah, I, I like them. They're not. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they have their moments, but right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that uh, you know, one of the main action sequences here in the middle of the film is when Optimus Prime is fighting. Um, who's he fighting? It's Megatron and Starscream in the woods uh, in the forest. Yes. Okay, and that's when he dies, obviously. And I was like, that fucking like blew me away. I was like, what? Like, I I was like, Prime can't die. He's in the new films. Like, there's there's no way because I've seen the trailer. Like, there's no way he dies. Like, what the fuck's going on? But man, they went with it and they went for with it for a long time. Um, and uh, I thought it was actually a pretty shocking moment. If it was if I was watching it at the time, I would have been hook, line, and sinker. I would have been gotten because I know from the you know the cartoon fucking i know what happens there and so i was like wow he's he's gone okay what's what's next you know um but here i I knew that that something had to change because i know he was in like i know he's in the last night for example because i've seen that trailer uh parts of that trailer at least so but we do get more spinning camera this in this film um that's that's like typical that's like classic bay he exactly every movie slow yeah Cam. Yeah. The but man, I thought it was a little more just kind of um, ridiculous in this one, a little odder in this one because it just didn't seem to add much to it. So the, like the first time I wrote it down was um when there were uh I think it's again Starscream and, and Megatron on top of the helipad on the skyscraper when Megatron's yelling at him and um it just was funny because like it just wouldn't stop going in this circle. Bridget was like, "Oh my god, it's making me dizzy! Like this is annoying. It needs to stop." And then it <laughs> happens again later on. Um, I think it's I, I want to say it's um, when it's I think it's Sam and Michaela. I think they're spinning around them, and it's just like it's just unnecessary um, in here. Whereas in the first film, I thought when they used it, I thought it worked well and it had it had a good effect. But here it was just kind of weird, but. Um, the, uh, the special effects work on the sinking carrier, I thought was fucking fantastic. Like watching the, the jet plane fall to the water. I mean, it just gives such a good, um, impression of how powerful, uh, these Decepticons are, how much powerful these Transformers are. 
And uh, I love seeing those big moments like that. Like in the first one, the one that stands out to me is you see a tank go uh, uh, flipping across the screen and it's just like, oh my God, like that's huge. You actually see a tank later on in this one too. Uh, I think it's like near the pyramid scene, somewhere in there, you see a tank falling down the pyramid. I mean, it's just crazy, but I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, they have some good, they have some good sequences in this one. Um, the, um, I, I particularly like, well, I don't necessarily like the design for Devastator. He's Is De- who's Devastator? Awesome. He was the one that formed out of the construction vehicles. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And he just wreaks havoc. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what Devastator does in the comics and the cartoon and everything else. So I was happy to see that. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the design. It kind of grew on me a while after the film. Um, yeah. But it, but, uh, no, it was just yeah. He though the moments with him where he's just going ape shit are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lo- it looks really good when he's like tearing apart the pyramid as he's trying to climb up it. It looks really good. I was really impatient though because they form this obviously gigantic transformer. It just formed with multiple vehicles this time. And they took a long time to actually show him in full and I was like, "What the fuck are they doing? Like we're only seeing his head?" Like, there's clearly a giant robot here. Like, why are we only seeing his head? And then finally, later on when he was crawling up the pyramid, we did get to see him in full body. But uh, I was just being impatient. But yeah, I liked him as well. Um, So I thought it was interesting choice. So kind of the shard sets up the first half of the film. And then what's going to drive us home is Megatron decides to kind of expose themselves, right? And and calls out the government for hiding them. Madam. There are, uh, yeah, there are ladies <laughs> present. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then. A clue moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then th- calls out Sam, puts his picture up and saying, you know, if you give us him, then we'll leave you alone. And it's just like, well, okay, so this is what's going to set up for the rest of this film, right? Is, is Sam is now basically a fugitive and everybody is hunting him, which frankly, I thought they could have done more with if the whole country was searching for him. Um, and they kind of just let that part go by the wayside and just stuck with the fact that like, uh, you know, the government was searching for him. But um, still, I thought it was going to set up for an interesting second half of the film. Um, and I think it it paid off for the most part, except like I said, I wish they would have done more with the fact that, you know, random people on the streets of New York, especially, could have seen him and, and done something about it. But uh, I mean, the movie's fucking long enough. It doesn't need any more shit. But um, yeah, and like I mentioned, I just I love that Robo Warrior <laughs> was Simmons. That made me happy because I didn't expect to see him again in this one. Um and then uh, some of his lines are just great. He says, uh, what you are about to see is top secret. Do not tell my mother. <laughs> it's like, yes. oh, you live with your yeah. mother. My mother leaves with me. There's a big difference. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. Simmons. All the ones they put him in. I, I, I know. He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then we, uh, it's like, why? Why do we need the jockstrap moment? I'm like, oh, good Lord. Oh, so gross! His hairy ass and his jock strap. I was like, "Oh God!" Then he's like, "Oh, all the baseball players wear them. It's a baseball reference." I'm like, "Oh, that's gross." But <laughs> Leo, see, more points. Leo made me laugh when he fucking tased himself after tasing the guy. He falls on it, and it's just, he's like, "How many times can you be tased before you can't have kids?" Like, I don't know. He was just making me laugh, uh, and so I enjoyed the hell out of him. But. 
I really loved the, I don't have any idea what his name was. I couldn't even, I didn't catch it at all, but the old Decepticon that they um, find like in like Washington DC area. Yeah, um, That's Jet. Uh, well, he's, yeah, he's Jetfire. Um, Jetfire. Okay. He has, basically he's Jetfire in name only in this because he has very, oh. in the, because uh, in the cartoon, he was, well, in the cartoon, he was Skyfire, not Jetfire. Uh, but gotcha. there was like this whole naming thing. Uh, the toy actually had to be named Jetfire, not Skyfire. And because, uh, well, the toy was named Jetfire. Okay, this this is going to be stupid, but I have to explain. Okay, <laughs> the, original, the original 80s, uh, they had, they came out with a toy and they named it Jetfire. Well, they licensed the Valkyrie uh, fighter jet from Robotech to be the toy. Um, but they refused to let them use it in the cartoon and they wouldn't even let them use the name Jetfire. So they renamed him to Skyfire in the show and basically did this like half-assed blocky look for him in the show. So he he even had the same transformation style and everything, but they, they named him Skyfire in the show. But in the Hmm. show, he and he and Starscream used to be like friends before the Autobots and Decepticons started fighting. And he was an explorer and he ended up crashing on earth and they thaw him out, you know, millennia later and he joins the Autobots. And so Starscream and Starscream have a rivalry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they don't really do much with that here. They just make him kind of one of the older Autobots. I do like him in the movie. Uh, I love that he's an SR 71 that just cracks the shit out of me, (laughs) but I, I I, I don't know. I think they could have, they thought they could have used him a little bit differently, but other than that, yeah. I think he was fun. So yeah, I actually I really liked him a lot too. I thought one he looked badass. I thought that was enjoyable, and then he was kind of like a senile old man, which I enjoyed. Um, and then his I thought his arc was cool because uh, you know from his introduction to kind of figure out who he is, um, he takes them to where they need to be, um, and then his sacrifice in order to save um, Optimus. Because, you know, that's his idol. The, the, he's like, you know, a prime, you know? I mean, like, I thought it was just a, a strong arc, a strong character. Um, and I really, I really liked him. So I thought that was well done um, for someone I didn't expect to uh, think too much of. But and that, when that little fucking robot humps uh, Michaela's leg and then Sam's reaction to it, he's like, what are, you, what are you letting happen to your foot right now? And then he like kicks it off. I thought that was fucking hilarious. I love that moment. <laughs> Oh, man. That little robot I thought was really funny. He was... Think, what did he... Yeah, he turned he into, like, a, an RC truck. Okay. I, I... Yeah. Um, no, that, well, technically I spoiled it for another one, but if you liked him, you'll... you'll he he shows up more. Mm. But it's not really a spoiler. It's... Right. Um, That's cool. Good to know. Um. Oh, yeah. It's spinning again when we learn about the Fallen and the Seven Sons from the old Transformer. So that's when we, that's when the other spinning moment I was thinking of came in and it just went on for so long because there was a lot of exposition there that, um, the old transformer was, uh, delivering. And so it went on for a long time. Um, so apparently the fallen is after the key called the matrix of leadership to destroy your son. Yeah. So I was me trying to make sense of everything that was happening, but, um, another great line from Simmons was, uh, when they were trying to get into in Egypt and they're trying to get past the uh, passport checkpoint. And uh, he's like, yeah, this is my family or whatever. And the guy's like, oh, New York, New York. Yeah, go ahead. And uh, Simmons says, you look like the guy who runs my falafel stand. I was like, 
<laughs> oh, Simmons, you bastard. Boom. Um, yeah, more lines. I just wrote down a lot of lines, but yeah, that's why this, this one was, oh, Leo, I've grown to love you. Um, cause I, Sam asks him, he goes, astrology class, page 47. Remember that? And Leo says, no, I was only in college two days. Remember that? And I, <laughs> oh, Leo, Leo, you bastard. You make me laugh. <laughs> um, Another scene I, I thought was hilarious and it's just so ridiculous and I laugh, but I still laugh my ass off was the parachute scene. Um, when, uh, what's his name? Um, he was the, one of the main, uh, military guys along with, um, Tyrese Gibson, uh, Josh, Josh Duham, Duhamel. Yeah. 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 Major Lennox. He's telling, um, the guy that I don't like trying to get him to jump off the plane saying that there's a, you know, a disaster incoming or whatever. And yes. he's like, you just pull the blue one. And so he pulls and he's like, not now we're on the plane, you dumbass. And then whew, he goes flying out of the plane. I thought that was fucking hilarious. Really liked that. Yes, I did love that. That was yeah. And I don't mind that we never got really a conclusion to that character because I thought he was just a piece of shit anyway. So I just didn't care. But we never really find out what happens with him. I know obviously he's gets he lands and, you know, they're going to find him. But no, nothing else really happens with him. But that was fine by me. Um, so Mark mentioned that he wasn't a huge fan of all the slapstick last film. Um, and I think really the slapstick here comes in with Leo and Simmons together. I thought those were pretty much as slapstick as the film got was when those, that duo was together, but I really liked them. But I imagine maybe Chris or um, Chris, Mark rather probably didn't like him as much. What did you think of Leo and Simmons together? I love Simmons, so that, yeah. you know, him beating on Leo just, you know, adds <laughs> exactly. to my enjoyment of the film. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yes, one of my favorite lines. It's so fucking dumb, but when he calls in the airstrike or the uh, the bombing on Devastator, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, I am it's directly like, beneath the I, alien scro- or robotic s- scrotum. Yeah, the scrotum. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, it made me laugh, man. I mean, it is dumb, but it is great. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one shot that I really, I thought was really cool was um, when Michaela and Sam are kind of running from their for their lives, and they jump from one building to the next, and like the transformer blows up the building under them, um, and they and then you get the the Michael Bay slow motion shot. But I thought it was a great use of the slow motion, uh, watching everything explode and then watching them dive, uh, jump onto the next building. Just a really cool shot that stood out to me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, one annoying moment was the, um, what, what did you call him? The big giant transformer at the end? Oh, um, Devastator? Yeah, yeah, Devastator. So he's able to suck in with his mouth thing, the car that Simmons and Leo were sitting behind, but he wasn't good enough to suck in the 200 pound men. Like, what? <laughs> why, why did they not get sucked in? They hanging on with their hands. That's right. But not right when it not right when the car left. They do they they go they go from the car, then they go and then like grab onto something. But I was like, if the car was pulling, why didn't they get pulled in too? Like well, I thought that was strange. You gotta remember too though, like uh they're not as they don't have as much wind resistance. They're it's like okay, like if you were holding out a sail 
Yeah. Or like, you know, if you had a lot of a surface area and the wind was hitting that, you'd go first instead of somebody else who was just kind of standing there. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen that happen in real life. Uh, I, hell, it happened on Deadliest Catch. Um, the wind was, uh, they tied up one of the boats. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wind was so strong, it was pushing the boat toward the toward the other side of the, the pier in the water. But the people on land were fine. Gotcha. But you know, the boat's just being pushed like crazy. So, right, you know, right. It just it depends on shape. Yeah, that makes else. sense. Hmm. Um, I liked the uh, the fight with Bumblebee versus that kind of like I don't know what it was. It was like a, like a corkscrew shaped Decepticon. It was like red. It was a- attacking Michaela and Sam in the desert. I have no idea what his name was, but um, he fights Bumblebee and Bumblebee wins. I thought that was a good fight. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about or not. Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't remember which one that is. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, toward the end here, you get um, the parents right because that's their uh, that's the, what the Decepticons think will get Sam is if they bring his parents out. And um, I thought that moment with his dad was a little heavy handed. Um, the like you, he's like, you gotta let me go, Dad. You gotta let me go. Um, that moment felt a little melodramatic for me. And I wasn't a huge fan of it. Did that work for you or not? I actually like that moment. Okay. Um, I'm, I don't mind melodrama and I Mm -hmm. think those two actors pulled it off good for me. I, I, it's like, if you get the right actor in the right moment, they can can nail it. And that worked for me. I remember actually when I first time I saw it, I got chills from that. So, did you yeah and it wasn't necessarily from what sam was saying it was it, but it was his dad's reaction but yeah i'm also mm-hmm. a parent too so right yeah exactly um yeah and i think there's there's a moment later on that i th- would probably also call Modrum, but i really like it um and so yeah just for that moment i don't know what it was it was just like ah uh, it was a little little much i thought um it was like they were trying to just drive home what this is about a little stronger than it needed to be, but I'm glad that I'm glad that it uh, worked for you more than it did me. But well, you um, know, have a few kids, and you know, yeah, exactly. You know, Give it another watch. Because when this movie <laughs> came out, let's see, when this movie came out, my son was 20. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so almost uh, very close yeah, to the same age. He'd, yeah, he'd already he'd already actually like moved out mm. <laughs> at that point, so it was just like, uh yeah, right in the front. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. So, am I wrong here? But I think they introduced the first female Transformer, and then she dies seconds later. Oh no, no, she's in the movie earlier. Is she? Yeah. I didn't hear her talk. It. I don't actually, hear her There's talk. actually three female Transformers. Um, oh, they're they're all motorcycles. Um, but yeah, RC's one of them, and I forget the other two names. Um, huh. They're basically just repaints of RC, but yeah, there okay. are, there's there's three of them. But yeah, RC. I think I think it's RC is the one who dies in that scene, but I can't remember. Gotcha. Do they have dialogue earlier on? Um, because I only much. remember. Yeah, I only remember hearing the male Transformer voices, so that's why I was I, I was taken aback. The the guys are driving. They're, they're part of the chase sequence of the the big. Okay. One. Gotcha. So that's just not a good uh, dialogue time, but. Um, so where I did fall for a bit of that melodrama they were talking about was like the Sam death scene and the I love you moment. 
Um, I really like that. So obviously the, the film is, is building to this, you know, they have multiple scenes building to it. Um, and so, you know, it's coming, but I thought it, it, it delivered really well. Um, it got me, it got me good. And, uh, I enjoyed that. Did that scene work for you? Yes. That also- okay. Okay. Good. Cool. Um, another line I loved right at the end here, Optimus Prime. I rise, you fall. I was like, oh, that's so perfect. <laughs> so perfect. And I love that. It made, it just made me so happy that Simmons did his part to be a hero. And he's uh, he has that shot at the end, just him and Leo kind of coming up, just getting that small bit of recognition. Um, and it just it made me feel good for Simmons. So do you have any um, any other kind of uh, bits of trivia or any other information or any other thoughts that you want to add? Or should we move on to final thoughts and star rating? I, I One comment I would like yeah. to add is when writers are writing a film where they're going to be globe hopping, pull out a fucking map. And if you <laughs> have one handy, a globe. Because some of the shit <laughs> they do in this movie doesn't work. <laughs> There's just no way they drove some of the places that they said they were going to because they're too far from the other place or, you know, and some of the other things. It just yeah. didn't, in the time they had, it didn't work. Um, but again, <laughs> I can kind of forgive it because they had, you know, the writer strike and all that other shit and they were just right. going with it. But mm-hmm. it, I don't know. There's some moments I really love. I love the the tree fight in uh, the the whole forest fight. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I love that sequence. And um, and I love the Devastator sequence. There's a couple of really good moments in this. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, more with Michael Bay's direction than the script. Just right. because you know, the way he shot it and everything else. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I do like he's a little less uh, jiggly camera happy with this. Oh yeah, he is. He pulls back more for the shots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, and it actually gets better in the next one, even because okay. he has to start shooting in 3D for uh, oh, gotcha for, for uh, Dark of the Moon. Um, so the the wild shaky cam shots don't work in 3D; they'll make you right. sick. So he mm-hmm. actually has to put more planning into it, so it gets even better. Yeah, you know, and before we kind of wrap up and talk about our final thoughts and star reading, um, I, you know, one critique I was hearing was that the film doesn't have any action. And I just, uh, I just disagree with that so much because right from the beginning, we have the opening, uh, let's say that chase scene with the, with those Decepticons, um, where Optimus then shoots him and it's like, that's when we find out about the fallen. Um, and then that moves into, um, the all spark, Peace dropping down through the wall or through the floor and then like all those appliances coming to life. Um, and then you kind of have, even have an action scene when, um, you're chasing, uh, chasing the mom around because she's on pot brownies and that again, just fucking hilarious scene. Um, and then you get, you know, the, the big action scene in the middle with the going through the forest, that big fight scene where Optimus dies. Um, and then literally. The entire third act is one giant action scene, right? Like, in it, that third act lasts 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> so I'm not sure where is there, I feel like there is more dialogue, there is more exposition here than there was in the previous film, but I think there's still so much action going on. So that's, that's, I'm not sure where that critique comes from, but. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot more action in this. 
Um, I think part of the problem actually is there's too much. They mm-hmm. just they 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 try to cram so much into this. It just it's like they needed to trim it back a bit, but they didn't have that option. So yeah, excellent. So uh, go ahead and wrap it up. I know you kind of talked about your final thoughts, but just uh, sum it up. And uh, what is your star rating for Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen? Um, well, it's got more action and it's better shot than uh, the first Transformers film. Um, some of the hearts missing a little bit in this. And I think that partly has to do with the rushed script, rush shooting schedule, you know, rush, rush, rush. We got to get this out. Um, some of the action sequences are just amazing to watch. Uh, even now, you know, they just, they still hold up amazingly well. I didn't <laughs> think of any really, any of the shots that were just like, that looks too fake. You know, it just, it doesn't, the, the transformers all look good. They got really, really good at at making them look like they're actually in the scene. Um, you know, the dialogue's a little stilted. The story is just kind of not there. Um, what did I give Transformers? Did I give it a three and a half? Yep. Okay. Um, I would give Transformers Revenge of the Fallen a solid two. It's kind of... While the action's great, the story and plot just make no damn sense. There's no cohesion, and it just it felt rushed. Uh, but it's still, it, you know, as far as a Michael Bay film goes, it's still a lot of fun. It's just, it's not, I don't know. It doesn't, it, it lacks something the first one had. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, great. So Ash is given that two out of four stars. So uh, Transformers Revenge of the Falling, it gets a ton of hate, like I mentioned. And you could see from the numbers I was providing at the beginning of this review. But I'm on, I'm not really sure where it stems from. This isn't as strong as the uh, a film as the first movie, and it does ask the audience to take a few more leaps than the original, but if you can buy into it, it still takes you for one hell of a fun ride. Um, that's There's no getting around the fact that this is a long fucking movie at two and a half hours, but that said, I was still entertained the entire time. Uh, the series' biggest strength so far has been its humor, and this one had me laughing just as much as the first one. I still absolutely fucking love Sam and Michaela, and I'm really upset because I know that this is Megan Fox's last Transformers movie, so I'm intrigued as hell to see how they handle that in the next one. Um, as much as I hated Leo in the beginning, I ended up absolutely loving him in the second half. His work with, with Simmons, I thought, was just fantastic and brought a lot of laughs for me, which always wins my heart over. So, um, The action was pumped up to another level here, and it all looks fucking incredible. Again, almost, what, uh, eight? it's an eight-year-old film. I mean, it's amazing. I fell hook, line, and sinker for the I love you moment that the movie spends its entire runtime setting up, and it made me love these two even more. I'm just a sucker, I guess, but I had a really good time with Revenge of the Fallen, so I'm giving Transformers Revenge of the Fallen three out of four stars. So next week, we look at Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011, and that'll actually be the first one I watch in 3D, so I'm excited. I think. Yeah, it will be. I just had to double check, make sure I had that one in 3D, and I do. So, very good. <laughs> All right. So, before we log off for the day, let's move over to our CSX, bloop, 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 CSSC6 featured film discussion. 
So, uh, as you all know, uh, the Best in the Backlog Challenge has been put on a hold until episode 101, where it will be back and better than ever, I'm sure. Until then, though, we dedicate this segment of the show to a short discussion of whatever the featured film or featured films of the week are for CSSC6, of course, being the Cinefessions Summer Screams Challenge 6. Um, that means that this week, the three of us or rather the two of us, have watched House. And so we'll talk about that a little bit um, without spoiling it, which uh, even if there was spoilers, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, so coming into this, I've, I've said that House would be crazy, zany, and weird, but there was no way I could have prepared myself for the onslaught of absurdity that Nobuhuki Obayashi's House really is. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I want to share what I what I sent to them. And when I was watching this, uh, yeah, um, shit, where is it? <laughs> I, I sent to to both Mark and Brandon. I sent house is like someone from Japan binged on you know took like a shitload of crack, then binged <laughs> on a ton of fucking seventies Italian horror, and then went on a three or four week bender filming their own movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that's a really good description of what the fuck this movie is, because it is so fucking weird. Um, so I realized last week we didn't give any um, sort of plot summary for Harbinger Down, Har- Harbinger Down, in case you don't know what it is when we talked about it. So let me correct that one, uh, correct that this week and give you guys a summary of House's plot. Um, so a group of seven schoolgirls who go by names like Gorgeous, Fantasy, Melody, and my favorite, Kung Fu... They all travel to Gorgeous's aunt's house for a summer vacation. Well, it turns out that the house likes to eat young girls. And that's where I'm going to leave it. <laughs> I, there's, there's really no way to explain house that will give someone a good idea of what they're getting into. It's like, um, it's, it's like a live action horror cartoon in a lot of ways. It's, it's just something you have to see to really understand what people are, are talking about with it. But. Is it worth spending the hour and a half with Ash? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, no. <laughs> no. I, I'm trying to come up with other words other than no, and I'm, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> I know. Just, that, I've watched a lot, and I'm talking a lot of really, really fucked up anime. Mm-hmm. And, and that broke me. For a while, like I had to like cleanse my palate after I watched that. <laughs> it was like, oh, Jesus, so uh, I don't know. It it has like a couple of good moments, mm-hmm. and then it has like eight hundred really shitty moments surrounding them. So just I don't know. Like the effects work isn't great, even for the seventies. Um, like See, some of the gore I- is okay, but like mm-hmm. some of it, I was just like, eh. Um, I do have to say, I think Sam Raimi watched this movie a lot yeah. before he started making <laughs> films. Right. Because there's a lot of, of shots that are very Raimi-esque in this, mm-hmm. only they just don't have his style, and it just yeah. doesn't work. I don't know. Hmm. It just they're, Yeah. See, I th- actually thought I was actually kind of impressed by the special effects a bit, just because given its era and, and everything, and um, a lot of it's you know obviously going to be in camera tricks and everything. I, I was actually pretty impressed with that. But so for me, this one it, it's it's as unique a film as I've ever seen, and it definitely won't make a ton of new fans. 
but I would argue that it's still worth watching just to experience the the nonsensical insanity that it delivers in this uh, – what do they call it on the back of the Criterion box? Like a um, – I can't remember, but it's like a cracked out ghost story and they compare it to like Scooby-Doo, like um, – and I thought I thought the acting was was solid enough for what it needed. Um, my favorite character in this had to be Kung Fu, who she literally uses Kung Fu to fight the ghosts of the house, and it was hilarious. Um, gorgeous is definitely a gorgeous uh, person. Melody plays the piano and sing. Mac likes to eat and so on. I mean, the names are basic archetypes of who their characters are, obviously. Um, and none of them are very deep. <laughs> which you probably would guess. Um, they're really just there to let that the zaniness of the house happen to something, to somebody. So I don't think I'll watch this one again anytime soon, but I do think it would be worthy of a viewing because Obiashi, he clearly set out to make this batshit crazy film. And he succeeds marvelously in that. He made the film he wanted to make. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was so strange. Um, did you have a, a any character that kind of, that you liked the most or the least? Um, I did like a lot of them were interchangeable. I did like Kung Fu. She was amusing. Um, sweet, sweet was nice. I liked her and the prop. Yeah, sweet is sweet, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But and the prop, those are my my four favorites. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, that's one of the problems I had with it, too, is the girls aren't very deep. And I'm used to anime where even when people have, you know, stupid names. Right. um, Or they're named after their, like, defining trait or whatever, there's still something to them. Mm -hmm. And there just wasn't to these girls. Yeah. Yeah. The. Like, there's this whole kind of subplot, right, of of this – I don't know what the character's name is. I don't remember. But this guy that's supposed to be coming to the house. And so, like, we spend a good majority of the film well, – it, it cuts to him at different points trying to make it there. I mean, at fucking one point, he's, like, eating ramen from, like, a – what was it? Like, a bear that was selling him ramen. Like, I don't even know. It was so fucking weird. And then, finally, he travels all this distance, and we've been spending this time watching him. He gets there, and the house isn't there, and then he goes into this, like, song thing. Like, what the fuck just happened? And then he just disappears. It's like, what the fuck? Like, I just... Oh, my God. Like, you did... You have to watch it. What'd you say? I'm sorry. He turned into bananas. Oh, yes! Thank you. That's exactly right. Like, what... Come on. Like, I don't know. That's why, I mean, it's not really, a, I mean, that's what happens, but that's not a spoiler. Like, it's just, that's not what the film's about, you know? Um, I don't know. So, because it is so odd and just unlike anything I've ever seen before, that's why I would, you know, recommend at least giving it a shot. Now, should you run out and buy the Criterion Blu-ray? It, well, if you like the movie, if, well, if you like the movie, it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. Um, and there's a, a good amount of special features that are definitely worth it. But if you have not seen it and you just want to give it a shot, definitely don't run out and buy it. Buy it. Try to rent yeah. it one way or somehow. Yeah, rent um, it, you know, find it online to stream, something like that first before you buy this, because this is right. definitely one of those movies that's an acquired taste. Maybe yeah. You have that taste. I do not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, honestly, rating it almost seems pointless and moot because it's just so fucking weird. But for continuity's sake, how many stars are you giving House? One. 
one out of four for Ash, and I'll give it two out of four, um, just because I don't know, ah, I don't know what else to to say about it. I guess strange, anything but mediocre. But I can't say it's good. I can't say it's bad. It's just fucking weird, man. So that is uh, this week's featured film. So if you have not watched it yet, definitely try to give it a shot if uh, if you have free access to it. If you've not seen it before, so. Excellent. So that is going to do it for this week. So next week, we will continue our Transformers arc with a review of Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011. And we'll also be reviewing both of the featured films of CSSC 6 Week 3, which is obviously the Battle of the Decades, the 1950s versus the 1960s. So we will be watching It Came from Outer Space from 1953 and The Haunting from 1963. So I'm really excited because I've heard nothing but excellent things about both of those. And I actually recently purchased It Came From Outer Space on Blu-ray, 3D Blu-ray. So that's why I'll be watching that. So I'm excited. So as always, if you have a question for the three of us here at the Cinefessions podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust for all of your questions you'd like to hear us answer here on the show. And we'll do our best to answer them all. Again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust on Twitter. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at Cinefessions.com for any question of the week options. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it might be that you're listening to us. As we mentioned at the start of the show, positive reviews are so essential to helping us grow, and we really ta- appreciate you guys taking the time to leave those reviews. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow along on all three. And also, Ash, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Tumblr on DHGFash, A-S-H-E, and Twitter under the same handle. Fantastic. And you find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And remember, if you are following along uh, for the 6th Annual Cinefashion Summer Screams Challenge, make sure you, you use that hashtag CSSC6 on Twitter. There's a lot of conversation going on this year that I'm really happy with. So um, please use that if you are playing along. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to the 96th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.